So I'm honored to be here, and um, it's very inspiring to know that you get together on a regular basis and discuss Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Gita Upanishad. And of course, there are many people for many, many years have been commenting on Bhagavad Gita. I don't think that will stop too soon. So uh, our particular lineage is um, centered primarily on the Srimad Bhagavat. This is his, its main text. Sri Chaitanya Dev, he very much embraced the Bhagavat like his own heart, and uh, we see the Bhagavat as the sequel to the Gita, Krishna speaking the Gita, some philosophy there, some discussion, some debate maybe, whether he is emphasizing Gyan or Bhakti, and that will probably go on for a long time also, but if we follow Krishna from the Gita into the Bhagavat, then... um, Personally, I think that it's uh, more clear that it is bhakti that the Gita is speaking about as the be-all and the, the end-all, and that uh, bhakti itself constitutes the highest knowledge. After all, Kurukshetra, where the Gita is spoken, was visited, according to the Bhagavat, previously by Bhagavan Sri Krishna as well. Here he has touched down at Kurukshetra for a discussion of dharma with the most righteous and dharmic Arjuna in a setting, a time where adharma has become a concern. But um, this is towards the uh, end of Krishna's Leela. We are moving now in in the direction of the winding up of that Leela. But early on in his Leela, he also came to Kurukshetra. And that is a very touching moment that's recorded in the Bhagavad very, very beautifully. There, as you know, he had departed from the Braj, Vrindavan, pastoral Leela, and um, leaving behind the tear-filled eyes of the Gopijana, He seemed a bit cruel if we look at the measure of their love. He went to Mathura. He dealt with some family affairs there, as much as Kangsa was related to him. Birth is not everything, I guess, in determining one's status. But uh, from there he went to Dwaraka, of course. And from Dwaraka he had the occasion to return to Kurukshetra during the solar eclipse. And at that time, the Brajjana, the Gopi people, cowherds, they came also, as is recorded in the Bhagavat. And there he had a very touching meeting with Nanda, Jashodamai. It was a big gathering. You can imagine Krishna came riding on an elephant, princely and so forth. It was a huge, huge entourage, uh, armies and and so forth, and uh, these coward people came to the gate and said, let us in, and the noble yadus looked at them as if, who are you? What what business do you have here? And so forth. So with the passion of their heart and love for Krishna, they made their way in somehow or other, and you can imagine then the the thought of the the Dwaraka queens, the the, uh, 
Udhav and the armies and associates entourage of Bhagavan Sri Krishna. All of these things are attractive to us. People like wealth and opulence and notoriety and and so forth. And hearing Mother Yashoda call him Nandalal, <laughs> then he all of his attention turned and shifted to her. Even Devaki, who he's known to be the son of, admitted at that time in Bhagwat, he's your son because by the law of affection we'll determine who belongs to whom, not by any other consideration, not even by blood ties, but by affection. It may be that a neighbor's boy becomes more dear to the neighbor than his own son, who becomes a rascal. It's possible. <laughs> so uh, all of the attention of Bhagavan Sri Krishna went to the to the Gopi Jan and, and his dear most Sri Radha in particular. And at that time he made a statement to them that more or less uh, established in their minds that he, despite apparently being elsewhere, he was with them always. And that the whole balance of Krishna Leela, from the point of leaving the Braj to go to Mathura and Dwarka, has an overall purpose to it of reflecting back on the love of these, the intimacy of the love in Braj and the measure of that devotion, showcase that to the world as the standard of devotion that that turns Brahman, if you will, into into uh, that 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 causes, I want to say, an existential crisis for the absolute. We we have our own existential crisis, but to think that Brahman has an existential crisis is peculiar, perhaps. But by the measure of their bhakti and their love, he's Rasaraj, the king of love. So, but seeing their love and Gopi's love, Radha's love in particular. He's overwhelmed by that. He thinks, I'm, I'm the king of love. I, there's nothing about love I don't know, but I'm seeing some, they're seeing something in me that I can't see from my vantage point. What the devotee sees in me, I want to taste that position. And therefore, Vrindabhaneshwara, we, in our lineage, in our Sampradayan, not exclusive to us by any means, we celebrate the position of Radha, the position of love, and uh, its power, prem, to prem uh, Krishna Akarshani. Krishna is Karshana, but Akarshani, it has the power to attract Krishna, to make him like a child, to make him like a lover, to make him like a friend, whom even Subal, Sridham, can defeat in a wrestling match, the Supreme Brahman. So this realm, the Brajlila, this is a very extraordinary uh, place. And in Kurukshetra, Previous to the speaking of Bhagavad Gita, he met with these inhabitants of Braj and expressed to them and to all of us for all time that the standard of their devotion is the highest ideal, objectively. Subjectively, everyone's individual devotion is the highest, and Krishna will accept our love according to how we jajatamam prapadyante tamsataiva vajamiham. But objectively speaking, this, these Brajsundaris have shown a very extraordinary standard of love that captivates him, captures him, arrests him. Avruddhitetra. Bhagavad says, 
धर्म प्रोचित कैट गोत्रा परवो निर्मत शरणम सतम वेदम वास्तवम आत्र वास्तु शिवदम तापत्रयोन्मूलनम श्रीमद् भागवते महामुने कृते किम वा परैरिश्वरा सद्यो हृदय अवरुद्धते त्रा किदिभि सुसुसुरिस्तक्षरात इट हैज द पावर दिस भागवत इन भागवत मींस राधा's लव फॉर कृष्णा दैट इज व्हाट इज बीइंग प्लेड आउट देयर हैज द पावर टू अरेस्ट कृष्णा इन द हार्ट योगीस आर ट्राइंग टू कंसंट्रेट ऑन कृष्णा Radha is trying to stop thinking about Krishna, and she can't. Making a concerted effort to stop thinking about that fellow who has left her, so that so it appears, to go elsewhere. And the stories are he's married to so many queens, and he promised himself to me. She's trying to forget him, but she cannot. What kind of yoga is that? What kind of samadhi? Chitta vritta nirodha. That is nothing compared to this. <laughs> Simply taking the chitta vritti, nirod. They're only cleaning the slate. That's all. Maybe clean the slate, the blackboard, but she's writing on it. Hari Krishna, Hari. So many, so many things. So, therefore, if Krishna is again touching down at Kurukshetra, and he is to speak about dharma, this Kurukshetra becomes udipana. Udipana means like, like impetus, like, uh, like it. Uh, if you love your children and you see your child's shoes outside the door, then it becomes udipana. Oh, there's the tiny shoes of my daughter, and I have such affection for her. It it, it causes a remembrance and so forth. So, this he cannot go to Kurukshetra without remembering what happened the last time he was there. He's busy now with so many things. He's a big prince. And, And so forth. Now he has to establish dharma, sarva. You know, he come for this purpose. It seems. Paritranaya sadhanam vinashaya chaduskritam dharma samstapanata samavami yuge yuge. Paritranaya sadhanam vinashaya chaduskritam dharma samstapanata dharma samstapanata ya. And uh, the the vinash of the asura, those are secondary things, but. Uh, Paritranaya sadhunam, to give shelter to the devotees. That is the main thing. <laughs> well, that is bringing Krishna to the world. And what, but what protection do devotees need? They need protection from the pain of separation in love for Him. When devotees reach a point of this love and ecstasy, Krishna has to make His appearance in their heart, in the world, and Lila goes round and round like this. It's moving by the influence of bhakti, of love. This is making it go round. This is making Brahman dance, so to speak. So, in the midst of this important work, from our perspective, establishing Dharma and I mean Bhagavad Gita is a wonderful text. We've been studying it for who knows how long, and we'll go on forever. And so profound, so many meanings can be drawn from there: political meanings, social meanings, psychological meanings, and Of course, spiritual meanings ultimately, and we are concerned about social issues and political issues and psychological issues and about knowledge and about freedom, moksha from suffering and so forth. We're also concerned about love, and um, Bhagavad Gita ultimately comes to that pitch, then uh, divine love, and and if, as I say, he's touching down in Bhagavad Gita in the midst of speaking this. Uh, it, he's touching down at Kurukshetra again. Excuse me. 
then he has to remember this previous meeting there. And what his Leela is really, in a deeper sense, about. I want to say that his Leela is about establishing Dharma as a secondary affair, as a byproduct of his own, the Absolute's own inner life. And, uh, and this is the relationship of, of Radha, Krishna, Gopis and Krishna. This is the inner romantic life of the Absolute. You know, the Hindus have many gods and goddesses and so forth, and then cross-culturally there are many manifestations, names for God and so on and so forth, and they are all to be respected and regarded, and, and Jesus is the sacrificer and... Uh, uh, and uh, and Buddha's uh, is uh, is uh, full of wisdom and uh, and so forth. And uh, objectively, then if we come to Krishna, we find the heart, the heart of the Absolute. He's in love. Mostly, we talk about the most worshipable object being God. But when we come to Krishna, if we look closely, we start to talk about the worshipable object of God. Krishna is reaching down practically and touching the feet of Radha and Kurukshetra and saying, I'm yours, don't think otherwise, that's a fact. Hmm? I belong to you, I'm purchased by bhakti, completely. The measure of your bhakti is, is, is extreme, I'm completely, I'm, I'm bewildered by it practically. I'm forgetting that I'm Brahman, never I can enter this, this play of love by the force of your love. Uh, this is a huge theological statement. Hmm? And there's some, like I say, if we bring the yardstick of objectivity to it, we don't want to be sectarian. We respect all traditions, all manifestations of divinity. But Krishna is, if we study each one, we see they're depicting something. Brahma has four heads, and Shiva's and ashes, and so forth. He has no worldly concerns, and so forth. And So they all have some, some purpose. Krishna has no purpose. <laughs> he has no purpose. He's playing the flute, dancing. So one who has no purpose, this is Brahman, Anandu, Anandamayo Bhyasat. Anandu means joy. Joy means no purpose. You have no purpose. You may move out of joy, not out of a purpose, not out of, out of a necessity to attain anything, to accomplish anything, out of that any need, but out of the celebration of the fullness of joy. So... If we speak about Brahman as joy, then, then Krishna, the persona, is like joy personified. He does nothing. He has nothing to accomplish, Krishna. Shiva is accomplishing something in meditation, and he's a, he's a manifestation of the Absolute to teach us something important. If we really want to understand Krishna, we'll have to pass through Shiva. Hmm? What, is, what is mukti? What is knowledge? What is, the, what is the leaving of the world of form and name that that are here today and gone tomorrow, that will have to be put in place to understand form that is sat, chit, ananda. That's a little difficult to understand. To understand that this form is here today and gone tomorrow, that doesn't take a lot of intelligence. That's not the highest knowledge. It's high knowledge compared to what most people are concerned about, which is maintaining the body and material way of life and so forth. But to go from there, to go from the knowledge as, as to the... Um, as to the temporality of the of, of our mortal frame, to then understand form that is sat chidananda, that is a little bit of a stretch. To understand the futility of action, the attached action, and what is detached action 
meant to bring us to, to, be, to inaction. And the wisdom to be able to sit in dhyam, as the Gita explains, and so forth. And then to get up and dance from there. <laughs> well, this is, we're in, in, in the middle of the Gita then, the theology of the Gita. Uh, he says, in ninth chapter, he says, Rajavidya, Rajukuyam, Pavitram, Idam, Uttam, Pratyakshavagamam, Dharmam, Susukam, Kartam, Avyayam. He says he's going to give some special knowledge. He says, Gyan Vigyana. Gyan Vigyan. Gyan means knowledge. And Vigyan can mean special knowledge also. I'm speaking from ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. He says he's going to tell Arjun, Guyatamam. Secret. He's spoken in the first six chapters about so many things about knowledge of the self. Tattvam, asi. He's spoken about tvam, about us, about you, what you are, and you are not the body. But now he's in middle chapter, six, middle six, he's speaking the theology, he's speaking about tat, and tat is him, and tattvam asi, you are his. You might not have heard it like that. <laughs> you are his. This is bhakti. <laughs> Understanding, and that is a, that means you are him also, but in a meaningful way. If I say, Drishta and I are one, you don't think that the two of us have disappeared into it, <laughs> but we are one, one in spirit. We think alike, something like that. This kind of oneness to be his, to have no separate interest, to be part of his play by which he, through which he expresses himself in all his fullness, the Purna Brahma, Purnananda, to participate in that. He says, Rajavidya, Rajaguhyam, he says, this is the most secret kind of knowledge. It's not just ordinary knowledge of the, of the difference between the body and the self. I mean, that's extraordinary knowledge. There's ordinary knowledge is how to make a living. Uh, higher knowledge is, is, is that we live forever. <laughs> no, and that you cannot do anything to c- continue this uh, livelihood forever, materially speaking. Uddhyanastan hmm? uh, With the rising and the setting of the sun. Tasyarte yachuna nitya uttama shloka varte. Ayurharati vaipum sam. Uddhyanastan chayanaso. Ayurharati. With the rising and setting of the sun. Ayurharati. You understand? Life is being taken away. But who is doing Uttama Shloka Vartaya? Speaking about Uttam Shloka. This is Krishna. Who is Uttam Shloka? Who has been described by the most beautiful poetry? This person lives forever. This person has a life. And there's life that means to transcendence. It's not just a sitting and rest from the harassment an oppression of the mind and the senses that we're presently experiencing. It's not just getting inside of a room and closing the door. Ah, peace at last, shanti, shanti, shanti. That is a zero that is big and meaningful in comparison to the negative numbers of karmic implication. That as we move, we go down in negative numbers. As we take, 
we owe. And more than we've taken, we owe. <laughs> like when you borrow money from the bank, you think, well, I have some money. <laughs> but if you look carefully, you owe so much more money than what you borrowed. So this is the karmic life. So to come from that to zero is positive. But are there any positive numbers? And we say, yes, up to 108. Leela and karma may look the same, but they're very different. In karma, we move out of necessity because we've taken. Therefore, we owe, and off to work, we must go. Hmm? But in Leela, there's no taking. It looks similar, but there's no attachment there on the part of Krishna and on the part of his devotee. There's attachment in love. That attachment means both are giving entirely, no taking. Leela is different than, than karma. It may look the same. Krishna is depicted in ways, in art, that ordinary people are depicted also. Like a, yeah, like a, like a, like a rebellious child, like a young lover, young friend, and so forth. But this is a very different affair than that of ordinary lover, ordinary child, or ordinary friend and friend relationship. Lila, Lilamoy. He, amongst all the depictions by the mystics of the gods and goddesses, as I said, has nothing to do. Therefore, he must be all-powerful, because to play, you must have power. If you want to play, if you want to take a vacation, you have to have some power. You have to have worked and put some money in the bank. Then you have some power to play. So who is only playing has all power. This is the idea. Therefore, Krishna's too. Bhagavan Svayam. Bhagavan Svayam. Ramadi Murtishu Kalani Amenatishtam Tasyabhata. So many like rivers, like fountain flowing from him, manifestations of divinity. And he looks like, how could he be the source of everything? <laughs> but he's described that in the Gita here. Here in ninth chapter he says that Rajavidya Rajaguyam Pavitram Idam Uttam. The knowledge I'm giving you is pavitram utam. What does he mean? Knowledge is purifying. Right? When you get knowledge, you stop taking. We're in the pursuit of happiness, and we take, because we think that by acquiring and adding on to our life, we become more full. But when we get knowledge we understand that it's a folly to pursue enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure. So with the ingress of knowledge, of wisdom, this taking tendency in us diminishes. This is a purification. I'm not taking. To not take is kind of an abstract form of love. It's not the full face of love. But to not take... It's a big thing. Many will stop there and be peaceful. But the Gita is encouraging us that there's something further. There's, there's a higher knowledge even in this, beyond not taking. And it's the full face of love. Therefore, when he says, Pavitram idam uttam, what is he saying? He's saying, this karma is ignorance. Its source is abhidya. The movement that is taking, that is that is causing us to be in debt 
that is ignorance and has it, it's in a, different stages of manifestation from aprarabdha to prarabdha and prarabdha means that it's already manifesting you already did it so how can you do away with it in other words you already sowed the seed now the fruit has come so knowledge in general has the power to destroy karma but not the prarabdha that's already manifest but according to Bhagwat, Bhakti, Yanamadeha Sravanadu Kirtanad, Yad Prabhanad Yat Smaranad Pikachit, Sadyopi Sadya, Shavanaya Kolpate. Sadyopi Sadya, Savanaya Kolpate. It means who is doing bhakti? It's hard to believe this. See, faith in bhakti, which is what the Gita is trying to bring us to. Sarvadaman Puritaja Mamekam Sharanam Braja. He's trying to bring Arjuna do this. Sarva dharman purityajja. Sarva dharman. All this dharma, some purification there. If you do it right and perform the dharma without attachment, you can get wisdom. But sarva dharman purityajja. Mamekam saranam braja. He's, he, he's trying to bring Krishna to faith. Arjuna to faith. Just depend on me. Just take shelter of me. Just manmana, pavamad bhakto, madhyaji, mamnamaskuru. Krishna isn't saying, be my devotee for a while, then you'll get moksha, and it will be over. Madhyaji, do that for some time, and then you can stop. No, satatam kirtayantomam. These are verses from this chapter. And again, appearing in the end, right? Bhakti. Hmm? Bhakti has the power, Bhagavad says, to eradicate prarabdha. That is very extraordinary. Hmm? So, pavitram idam utam. The knowledge that he's talking about here is bhakti because it's pavitram utam. It has such purifying power that even the prarabdha you can can be can be destroyed by that. Then Pabitram Idamutamam Pratyaksha Vagamam Dharmam. Now Dharma leads to Gyan. And then Dharma is retired. If one leaves a very good religious life, he becomes a, a sannyasi, he leaves the Dharma, comes to Gyan. So with knowledge, Dharma is left behind. But Krishna is saying this knowledge is Dharmic. What kind of knowledge is that? then. That is bhakti. In bhakti we find a supra-religious idea. In lila, they are living according to dharma, superficially. Do you understand? In lila, the varnashram is there, in Krishna lila. But it is only a superficial framework for the bhava that is, the Leela is really constituted of, the love, which is the real language of it. Varnashram is a small thing compared to Bhakti. It is below Gyan. The culmination of Varnashram is Gyan, to come to sannyas, to leave it. So Varnashram is a small thing. What is it doing in the Leela then? Leela is not governed by Varnashram. This is Krishna's play field. But there needs to be some social structure. So it's manifest there, that way. But what's fueling the whole thing? 
That is something else. That is bhakti. So this is a very extraordinary knowledge, he says. And it's understandable that in the context of the Gita, where Krishna is again touching down at Kurukshetra, and he's going to speak about dharma, that he has to come to speak ultimately about prema dharma. Prema dharma, we call it. It will have to at least touch on that. The Udipana, as I said, of Kurukshetra, reminding him of the touching moments where he pledged his life to Radha. It's difficult for the yogis who are meditating on Krishna's, the Supreme Brahman, to think of him bowing down to her. How is it possible? Huh? But uh, he's reminded of that here. So we will find in the Gita, if we, if we study the Gita in the context of Lila, and how, shall, how else shall we study it? This is an interesting idea. <laughs> People do study it from different contexts, but why don't you look at it? Here is a speech of Krishna for about an hour or so to Arjuna, 700 shlokas. Where did he speak it? What else was going on in his life when he spoke it? How old was he? What a, you know, if you know somebody very well, then when they speak, you have greater access to what they're saying than the, or, than the rest of the crowd. President could speak and say so many things to the general public, but wife might know, oh, he's referring to that, or his speechwriter knows, he really means this, and, and, and so forth, because they know him intimately. They know what's on his mind. It's possible to know what is on Krishna's mind in Bhagavad Gita by studying the Leela. Hmm? Study the context. What was he doing at the time? What, if you study... The, See, this, this gives us some inside insight. And with this inside insight, then we can draw the highest, whatever. He's speaking on so many levels. But the highest level of what he's speaking on, we'll also be able to access that, have some insight into that. And that is so charming, so touching. Hmm? It makes knowledge of Brahman look like a small and boring thing in comparison. So this is a reasonable approach to the Gita. We could draw out so many meaning and people will say, how do you come to that meaning from that? Word means this and so you can show it through the grammar and so forth, but uh, and, and, uh, our, in our lineage, we are not uh, shy to do that. We have some very excellent commentaries on Gita and, um, and this has been a folk, this is my particular commentary on Gita. I've written from this vantage point, this, with this in mind. We will study Krishna in the context. Who is Arjuna? Who is Krishna? What are they doing there at that moment at Kurukshetra? Of course, that is there in Mahabharata. And Mahabharata, uh, Mahabharata doesn't touch somewhat only on the Braj Lila. The whole story is there. And, but uh, to take the, go, as I say, to go to the Bhagwat and look back and so forth. After all, the book's about Krishna and Krishna speaking. So, who is devotee of Krishna might understand Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> Who loves him? Hmm, they say, if you love me, then I will tell you all my secrets. That's a fact. Love is the way to the highest knowledge. Hmm? If you come for, to me for getting something, I will give you something. <laughs> but not everything. I will give you something and get rid of you. Right? <laughs> if you come for my knowledge, which means you want my position, right? you come for my knowledge that you can also be the, you know, such a person, yeah, give it a go ahead if that's what you want. It's not such a big thing <laughs> to be sitting here. It's not, it's not such a big thing. Hmm? That's not the goal. 
Now the goal isn't to be the teacher. The goal is to embrace the teaching. And you can be the teacher even without embracing the teaching sometimes. Uh, especially this kind of teaching. You can understand intellectually and cheat yourself and do something else at the same time uh, within, but where your heart is, that's another thing. So if someone comes for forgetting something from me, I'll give the two of them and get rid of them. If someone comes to get my knowledge, then they go, oh, you're a fool. Then they take that. You want, to, you, want to, you want to be somebody. Okay, take it. But if you come to love me, then I'll give you myself. Then I will, then I will show you who I am besides being a teacher. It's like God. You know, not iron is there. He's God. He has the forearms. <laughs> he is God. That's true. But we say that Krishna is God when God wants to be himself instead of being God only. One of the teachings from Krishna Leela is what? Is that trying to be someone is not what we're, we're supposed to do. Krishna is, is God and he's not, trying not to be God. He's teaching that in the Gita, practically, that the position of God being the center is not the most desirable position. The position is to love the center. That is the best position. To serve the center. That is a better position. I myself, Krishna is saying, conquered by love, by bhakti. That's better. I'm, be, I'm the center and I'm being drawn to the, to, by, by love. So the, love is actually the center. In the Braj Lila, then, they don't, Yashoda Mai doesn't think that Krishna is God. Even when she sees the universe inside of his mouth, she's thinking some, some crazy thing happening. I'm seeing Krishna inside, I'm seeing the universe inside his mouth, and I'm seeing me inside the universe, looking inside his mouth, and going on and on like this. She's so thinking, that's interesting. But anyway, he's just my son. That is just this, an aspect of my son. That Aishwarya does not get in the way of her Madhurya. Here in the ninth chapter, Gyan began. he says, I'm going to speak to you. Seventh chapter, also the same thing is said. Gyan began. It's describing, he's giving knowledge of two kinds, about himself. This is a special kind of knowledge in the middle six chapters. It's the theological knowledge. It's the knowledge of bhakti. So there's two sides to this in one sense. We say, Aishwarya mm, and Madhurya. Aishwarya means, Om, God, reverential. He's showing godliness. Krishna's begun to speak in the ninth chapter. He says, he gives three introductory verses. He tells Arjuna, this is secret knowledge. I'm going to give it to you. It's the king of knowledge and so forth. He says, if you have faith, those who are not faithful can understand it. I think you have adhikar because you have shraddha. So I'm going to give you this knowledge. He starts speaking, Aishwarya Gyan, see my position. Everything is in me. I'm not in everything. Nothing is in me. I'm in everything. Pashyame Yogam Aishwaram. See this with my Yogam Aishwaram. I am doing this by my power. It is foolish to think that you can know me comprehensively. 
see my, my display of magic. He speaks about the world, how he sustains it, how he's in it, but not in it at the same time. He's not attached to it. Then he speaks about the, the creation, about the annihilation, all these things. Big, this Mahavishnu. He's speaking about the work of Mahavishnu. He's saying, yeah, I, I do this. Krishna's saying, this Mahavishnu, that's me. What does he say in the 10th chapter? End of the 10th chapter, he says, I'm this, I'm that. Of, of immovable things, I am the Himalaya, Himalayas. Of bodies of water, I am the Sagara, the ocean, and so on. Of trees, I am the Banyan, and so on. All, yeah, and, he says, all these splendorous and wonderful things are manifestations of myself. They're all, he says, a spark, angsa, of my splendor. Angsa. He's saying the world, the whole world manifestation comes from my angsa. He's saying, Mahavishnu is my angsa. You might have thought otherwise. But I must have come from Mahavishnu. He's so big. And I look so small, medium-sized. But actually, if you study about me carefully, you'll find he's my omsa. From Mahavishnu comes innumerable jagat universes. It's poetically described like this. He's lying and breathing out. And from the pores of his body come multi the multiverse that scientists are speculating about now. Hinduism has posited a multiverse uh, concept for, for, for eons. Expanding universe and coming back. Coming coming and going, coming and going. So from the Mahavishnu, innumerable universes emanating. And in Krishna Lila, what did we find? Tenth chapter, we have Brahma Vimohan Lila. Brahma. He had four heads, very intelligent. Four brains to think with. Thinking from all directions, north, south, east, and west at the same time. He came, he heard the demigods were making some praise for Krishna, and he came to Braj on his swan, and then he saw Krishna sitting with his friends. He had killed Agha, Aghasura. Krishna sitting with his friends, eating a picnic lunch. He has a yogurt and rice in his dahi, in his left hand. Left hand. This is Vidhi, Brahma. Personification of the right way to do everything is there. The Krishna with his left hand, and he's putting the food in his friend's mouth. Then he's taking food from another friend's mouth and putting it in his mouth. And Brahma's thinking, what kind of people are these people? Uncivilized people. Hmm. And, and people are making commotion about this boy? Well, let us see who he is. And then he tried to steal the calves, to steal the boys. And in the end, he went away, he came back. All the boys are there, all the calves are there. He went to the cave, and they were asleep there. He came back, and Krishna's Leela is going on like nothing happened. He's bewildered. All four heads are spinning. Hmm? And Krishna turns to him in the forest and, and shows what? Innumerable Vishnus emanating from him. From Vishnu we have innumerable universes. And Krishna shows innumerable universes emanating from him. 
and Brahma <laughs> falls like a stick. He says, these four heads make it difficult to do dandavat, pranam. We should have a smaller head and a bigger heart. <laughs> that will be better for us, for bhakti. So it may look like Krishna must be coming from Vishnu. He's big. This is Aishvarya. And Krishna is Madhuri. But Madhuri is big. Madhuri is a big thing for us, we should understand. Because only to the extent that there is Madhurya in Bhagwan is Bhagwan accessible to us. Because we think, hey, God does not need to eat, right? Why should we offer him any food? He does not need to eat. He doesn't need any money. So why should we? We need money. <laughs> why should we give to God? He has everything. This Aishwarya, he has everything. He needs nothing. Some truth to that. But when he shows Madhurya, then there's opportunity to serve him, to get close to him. When you see he has everything, he doesn't need any money, then how close will you get? Because you will go wherever your money goes. <laughs> That's where you will be. So if you think God needs no money, then you won't be very close to God. And Krishna has so many needs. He needs to eat so many times a day. Hmm? Yes, uh, if you, if, he's, if you worship the deity of Krishna when he starts talking to you, then you'll hope your life will be completely taken up. Give me, bring me this, bring me that. Is so many. This neediness, the neediness of Bhagwan, is the fullness of Bhagwan. The more needy the manifestation of Bhagwan, the more full he is. The more he is sharing himself with us, making overflowing. That is what the neediness is. Is making himself available opportunity for bhakti, for serving. So as much as there is madhurya, Narayan has some madhurya, he likes to eat too. Brahman, how you feed Brahman? Param Brahman, it gets bigger while it appears smaller. Brahman is big, we think. That is right. You cannot measure it. Then you go to Narayana. Well, it looks like you could measure him. Looks smaller. Go to Krishna, it looks even smaller. Narayan looks big, he's got so many servants and uh, majestic Aishwarya. Krishna is just sweet and simple and never gets older than youth and, and so forth. But this is the biggest manifestation because most accommodating means not space, but affection. That is what is accommodating, affection. As we go up, how much affection Brahman can show? undifferentiated, nirvishesh brahma, cannot show much affection. There will be no, no, no crime there, no taking there, no meanness there. We are possessed of meanness and taking disposition here. There will be none of that there. Oh, it's big in that sense. What, what's making it big? Hmm? That it's moving away from meanness. It's moving in the direction of affection. In Baikunta. Narayan is served in Dasya Bhakti. He is served because he's God. You understand? Out of duty. And Krishna is served out of rag, out of attachment, out of love. They don't even know. The pitch of Bhakti has reached such a point that the gopis don't know that he's God. If they knew that he's God, how could they act with him the way they do? So there's full Madhurya and full affection. So it is bigger. So Krishna's too, Bhagavan. Swayam. So this whole world comes from the Angsa of Krishna, the Mahavishnu. So here in this chapter, as he begins to give Aishvarya Gyan, 
Why he wants to give Aishvarya Gyan if he's going to teach Prem, Prem Dharma, Prem Bhakti? Because this Madhurya, that is, as I say, is making him accessible, that is what Prem is ultimately about. Sweetness, intimacy in love. Madhurya and the Aishvarya, they go together. If there's no Aishvarya, there's no Madhurya. It's just ordinary then. <laughs> because he is God and he's acting otherwise, that becomes sweet. So he begins to give Vaishvarya Gyan. He gives some metaphysic in our Sampradaya, it is Abed Abed. Abed. He says, I'm one with everything, I'm different from everything at the same time. It is not logically possible, but I have Achinta Shakti, Yoga Maishvaryam, which becomes possible. So he starts to give this knowledge, as he said he would in the beginning of the chapter, Gyan Vigyan, I'm going to give. Gyan means Adhokshaja. Different kinds of knowledge. Pratyaksha, Paroksha. Aparoksha, Adhoksaja. Pratyaksha means knowledge we can get with our senses. Pratyaksha, Paroksha. Paroksha means I may not know it, but the teacher may know. He's been to India, he can tell me about it. So by extending my sensual capacity, I can find out more about something. This is all within the realm of the, of the world. Pratyaksha, Paroksha. Aparoksha means, well, that's a different thing. Let the world go to sleep. Let the physical dimension, let the psychic dimension close. Shushupti, deep sleep, no dream, no svapna. It is like that, something like that, Brahman, restful. And when you wake, you think, oh, I slept very nicely. Hmm. I existed independent of the psychic and and uh, and uh, and uh, waking physical dimensions of life. I have some some slight experience of that. So how to go there consciously, stay there, Brahman. So this is paroksha. This is the general beginning of spiritual knowledge. Adhoksaja as another kind of knowledge. This is by Kunta then, from aparoksha to adhoksaja. Adhoks, it means, again, the whole thing is coming out from sleeping, again, waking, but in a different realm of experience. And there are forms and there are names, but they're, they're enduring. And from Adhoksaja to Aprakrita, this is Krishna Leela, Aprakrita. It looks like the material world, but it's not. <laughs> it's very different. It, it, Leela looks just like ordinary life. People are attached. When the Braj people asked Krishna, what will we be in our next life? He said, oh, I'll show you. And they said, oh, we'll be in Golok, just like here. We'll have our cows and family, everything will be the same. They're all attached to one another. What kind of example is this? We're learning to be detached. And they, their example is they're attached to one another. This is, a, this is a rag, but means attachment to Krishna, that is a different thing. That is love. So after, anyway, giving some Aishvarya Gyan about the working of himself in, the, in his form as Mahavishnu, entering the world, maintaining it, sustaining it, annihilating it, then he says, Abhajananti mamudha manushim tanum ashrita. You know the shloka? <laughs> he goes from Aishvarya Gyan to Madhurya Gyan. Abhajananti mamudha manushim tanum Asrita. This is what I've been speaking about. Manushim Tanum. 
Tanu means body, human, manusha, ashritam, appearing in a human-like form. Avajananti mudha. Some people, and they are mudhas, they neglect me, he says. I've talked about my Aishvarya Gyan, the world comes from me. Now I want to tell you, here I'm standing before you, Arjun, in the world, in this form, just like a human being, don't think I'm a human being. Hmm? I'm human-like. I've come to celebrate the opportunity that human life affords us. Human life affords us an opportunity to do what? Not just to think and exercise intelligence and be reasonable. Hmm? If we actually exercise reason to its fullest measure, we will know that reason has its limits. And we will know that the opportunity that human life affords us more than the opportunity to reason is to reason about the fact that reason is limited and that we can go beyond reason and its limits by loving. In human life, we can give voluntarily. There's some voluntary giving in lesser forms of life, less complex forms of life, but, but here, really, the full, we have the full opportunity to say, excuse me, you first, and, and to make sacrifices. And to, this, this, is what, this is what love is about. With Krishna say, in human life, this is really what it's about. It's about loving. Loving means giving. By giving, the soul expands. We become Mahatma. That's why he says, you know, he says, Mahatmanas tumam partadayadam prakriti mahasrita. My devotees, they're not mudhas, they're mahatmas. They're not a kripana, they're mahatma. They're not selfish. They have big souls. <laughs> big self, it's expanded. They are givers. And they do kirtan about me. Satatam kirtayanto mam yatantas namaschantas. All these things. These are the characteristics of my devotees. Abhajananti mamutha manusyam tanem ashrita. Param bhava madhyananto maheshwaram. Mahabhuta Maheshwaram. This Maheshwaram, I've been speaking about Mahavishnu. He comes from me. Let's see my position. Hmm? He says, this is special knowledge. This is knowledge of my Madhurya, of my sweetness, of my human likeness, by which I become most accessible. And when I make myself most accessible, that's my fullness. That's my full manifestation. When with all my parts and puzzles I want, I want communion and I express it in no uncertain terms, as if I need, I'm needy. Approach me in this form and so easily I'm accessible. My form of Mahabishnu, more difficult to approach. This form, I'm very easy to approach. You simply do kirtan about me. This kirtan is really meant for Krishna. You study Shiva Purana. Does it say, does Shiva say, do kirtan about me? Does Devi say, do kirtan about me only, and I will be there? Does he say, does any god or goddess say like this? No. It's Krishna who tells Nard things like, hmm, shuva. What is it? Naham baikunta tishtami yoginam shuva. I'm not in the heart of the yogi, neither in I'm in Vaikuntha. But, uh, who is doing chanting about me. That's where I am. I'm present there. In Nam, he is so accessible. Hmm? In Nam and Nami, 
they are same. Kirtan, this is very easy thing to do compared to, to dhyan. <laughs> it's very easy. We do it anyway. In the shower you are singing some song. It's, it's so simple. Kirtan. It's really, kirtan really means for Krishna. You study. No god, no goddess has made this emphasis. Even Vishnu avatar, yes. We can do kirtan for Ram and so forth. And, but to the with Krishna, the Leela, if you study very much, you see, you can do uh, it, it is very much um, lens to this kirtan. It is said about that place, Golok. It is said, Sriya Sriya Kanta Parama Purusho Kalpataravo Drumabu Ischintamani Ganamaito Yamamritam. It is said there that the, the talking is singing, the walking is all dancing. So, what is the dancing then? What is the singing of that place? He's playing the flute, this uh, most natural instrument. The voice is the most perfect instrument, actually, the human voice. And then from there, it may be extended slightly in the flute. In the, and then from there, it all goes down, <laughs> actually. So, he is, as I say, he is the god of love personified. And love is what we live for in human life. We know if we study a little bit human life that we grow by giving. It's not logical, it's not mathematically sound proposal that if you give, you will get, and that the giving is the getting, but that's the fact. <laughs> and if we learn this secret, this is the secret of life, learn to give, then we, have, then we can refine our giving. By one side, giving without expectation of getting. And in order to do give full giving, we have to have that. And we have to find someone who's the full taker. Because if you try to give fully to someone who cannot take fully, then that is Krishna. That is, what is, that is why he's been depicted as a supreme enjoyer. He's playing, nothing to do. He's just enjoying. So he, the mystics have depicted the absolute in this way. Youthful. Also, in that way, it means youthful. It means... As I said the other night, we are theistic. Theist. We are theistic agnostics. We acknowledge that we cannot know everything about him. It is not possible. We are comfortable with that. <laughs> we would just love him. That would be sufficient. That we think is the highest knowing. That some unknowing, that's good. That makes for future prospect. Students forever. This is our position. That is good. So, these are some thoughts I wanted to share with you. Thank you for your time. Any question? <laughs> What's the time now? One, uh, one the thought that came to mind while you described it that uh, Srimad Bhagavad says that Dharma uh, can also be dissolved by Bhakti. There is a Shiva Stotra, the Sanchita Papa Vinashana Lingam. So I took that to mean that bhakti or any other spiritual development can eliminate, of course, the Kamya karmas, but Sanchit karmas as well, but not Paratha karma. And I've been told that, for example, Ramar Maharshi had cancer and so on. Yeah. So they have to leave out the Paratha karma. So it was very interesting to learn that. Uh, that 
And Gorlila, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you know Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from Bengal. It also, there's a nice example. He exemplified this teaching by he he, he crossed over the social barriers of the time. He took from the uh, outcast Haridas and made him his Acharya of Nam. Nam Acharya, he called him. That people would learn about taking the Nam, the name of Krishna, from your example. And when Bhagavad speaks of the power of bhakti to eradicate parabda, it particularly speaks about Nam. Nam, as I said earlier, Nam Kirtan, that is Anga of Bhakti. Shravanam Kirtanam Smaranam Vishnu Parasevanam Archanam Bandanam Dasam Sakyam Atmani Vedam Kirtan is Anga of Bhakti. It is not Anga of Gyan or Dharma, Karma Mark, it is Anga of Bhakti. It's so nice that so many people in Gyan Mark also take it, bring, bring Kirtan in, but it belongs to Bhakti, this Kirtan. And Nam Kirtan is, is especially have power. For Krishna, we have Lila Kirtan also. You do not have Shiva Lila Kirtan. What is Lila of Shiva? Or Mahavishnu Lila Kirtan. <laughs> For Krishna, Lila. And, Nam, and in, in every Nam, there is Lila. The Shodanandam. There's a whole Lila in, in, the, in the name. Radhanath. There's a whole Lila inside of that. So, in Nam, the Guna. The Rupa, the Leela of Krishna is also present. So Nam Kirtan, Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Dev has given a theology of Nam. And emphasizing Nam Kirtan, he took he, one point he's making, it, it is for anybody. Anyone can take it. So he's giving to Haridas, right? He was from outcasts, uh, from the Hindu perspective of the time. And he made him the, the Acharya who taught by his example, achar, by his achar, how to regard the name. So, when the uh, Advaita, associate of Mahaprabhu Shri he did the Shraddha ceremony. So many Brahmins came, and whoever got the Vishnu Prashad from the Shraddha, he was thought to be the best Brahmin in the community, but he was the most religious. So all the Brahmins thinking, who will get the prasad from Advaita Shraddha? He gave it to Haridas. They were, what? They were outraged. What is this? Mahaprabhu was saying, his prarabdha is one thing. It would appear. But he is, getting the, he is the highest Brahman because of how he is taking the name. You see, by, by karma, he does not have the adhikar to do the task of the Brahman. But by now, in bhakti, he became qualified. And when he passed from the world, Thakur Haridas, Chaitanya Dev took his body and danced with his body on the shore of Puri, Jagannath Puri. And then with his own hands, he dug in the sand the samadhi for Haridas. And he said, whoever worships this place where his body is, they will become purified. So he's saying, the you know, implication is that the parabda is completely eradicated. What has happened? Mahatmanas tu mamparta, daivim prakritim. What is daivim prakritim? That is Sudha Sattva. Shirup says, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, in our Bhakti Mark, Sudha Sattva Visheshatma, Prema Suryamsu Samyabhak. We have Tata, 
तथा तथस्थ जीव शक्ति माया शक्ति बहिरंग शक्ति बहिरंग आउटसाइड शक्ति माया वी हैव जीव शक्ति तथा मीन्स नियर नर इज लाइक द बीच Here is the line that demarks the water from the sand. Put your hand there. You can't. Hmm? Tata. We may be on the Bahiranga side. We may be on the sand, or we can go to the water. That means we go Antaranga Shakti. Antaranga Shakti. This is what governs the lila. Bahiranga Shakti. That is what governs the work of karma. Something is orchestrating lila. Krishna says, "Prakriti samadhistaya sambhavami atmamaya." When he speaks of avatar tattva in fourth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, briefly he says, "I come by my own nature, by my antaranga shakti. I come to the world, not by the influence of the bahiranga shakti. No, fools will think like that." So, with the ingress of this antaranga shakti, he's mentioning here in ninth chapter when he says, "Mahatmanas tu mampartha daivim prakritim ashrita." What is daivim prakritim? That means antaranga shakti. We call it swarup shakti also. It's the, it's the, it is what uh, governs bhakti. So when the ingress of this swarup shakti into the heart of the jiva, it has capacity then to function in the lila, because Krishna is atmaram. He does not go outside of himself to be satisfied. He stays within his swarup shakti. That is what bhakti is constituted of. When he shares that sort of shakti with the jeev, then he becomes conquered by the jeev, by by that bhakti and so forth. So this daivim prakritim, what is the mahatma moving under? Krishna says, mahatma nastu mampata daivim prakriti mashrita. They are under the shelter of a, of, of a prakriti, of a, of a nature, of a shakti. It is dibyam. It is not a maya shakti they are moving under the influence of. Jnanis stop moving. The jnani stops moving and waits for the parabda to end, like Ramana Maharshi, waiting for the parabda to end, witnessing that. But in bhakti, there's something more to do. So, Baldibhidibhushan, he explains in his Gobinda Bhasha, Tika, on Vedanta Sutra, this point. How the Dibhya Shakti, Daivim Prakritim, this Antaranga Shakti, Bhava, you see, In bhakti, it is not just anartanibhriti, but artoprobhriti also. Mukti hitvanyata rupam swarupena vastitihi, Bhagavad says. What is mukti? Mukti is a subject of Bhagavad. But Bhagavad explains it this way. It is twofold. Mukti hitvanyata rupam swarupena vastitihi. Removing the negative influence of karma and then becoming situated in a positive ego, in a serving ego, constituted of bhava, to participate in lila, nitya lila. This is Vaishnavism. So there's movement there. The jnani is finished. With the eradication of parabda, he will sit still forever in Brahman. But for the devotee, for the bhakti, there's there's a post-liberated life. And so that is under the influence of Swarup Shakti. So with the ingress of the Swarup Shakti, this Parabda is taken over by the Swarup Shakti and the devotee is functioning in the world as if 
under the influence of Parabdha, but in actuality under the influence of the Antaranga Shakti. And therefore he or she only does the work of Krishna. And this then is how that same bhakti is transmitted into the hearts of others by those who are moving under the influence of bhakti shakti. Not by those moving under the influence of maya shakti. And they're moving. The devotees aren't sitting still. There's some space for that, but they're mostly they're moving around. Because why? Shankar says, oh, in, the, in his commentary to this aphorism of the sutras from first Adhyay, that oh, the absolute cannot be spoken of. We say, there's a double negative. No, cannot be spoken about, enough about. There's not enough that you can say about. Hmm? Absolute cannot be captured by words. That means there's so many words to say about him. Therefore, devotees, they have so much to say. The Ghanis, they should be quiet. That is their philosophy. <laughs> Shankar should be quiet. <laughs> we respect him for that. So, well, thank you very much. I hope you'll continue your Gita discussions. Thank you. Thank you.